today we are here with Stephen. Um, bum, 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 ba-da-dum, 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 bum, bum. This is the way. This is the way. Bum, 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 ba-da-dum, bum, bum, ba-da-dum. Okay, I'm done. And that is our guest, Jordan, who has not been on the pod yet. However, you have all heard some of his creations because not only did he do the intro for this podcast he is also the voice behind the lovely jingle on the pin pod oh man like look i don't know if people even care about any of the stuff i do with the pin pod swear to you (laughs) 95 percent of the feedback is oh my god that theme song is so catchy my favorite my favorite thing and I actually talked about this briefly on the episode that released this past Monday with the Yule Box crew. His uh, Stina, who runs Laser Brain Patchco, a massive pin shop. Uh, her husband will just randomly start singing the theme song. So she sent me a video the other day of she and her husband in the car, and like they're not listening to the episode or anything. And it's just him sitting there. The pond guess where we talk about it. And that was great. <laughs> And then the other fun tie-in is I got a DM yesterday from Felix and Fairy Tales, and it's a picture of a, I've been trying to do little fun plays on copyright approved phrasing, of a pink celebratory cake with green misspelled lettering, uh, wishing a young boy salutations on his uh, date of birth and the caption she sent me was finally have a happy birthday cake that Hagrid made for Harry Potter. And oh it's like, my gosh. It's great. That It's, it's me reference. It's the song referencing Harry Potter, referencing a cake. I love it. Art imitating different type of art, imitating, imitating life. life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad people are liking the song. It was really fun to make. And, uh, I hope to do more of that in the future. Um, yeah. If, if anybody has any podcasts, or YouTube's uh, needs for sound and music. I'm hoping to get more into that because I had a, I honestly had a, a blast making music for both of these podcasts. It was really fun. So unlike normal, we're not discussing Harry Potter today. We are diving into Star Wars and specifically Mandalorian season two. Man, after the big premiere this past would be Friday. So before we say that, let me add in, there are spoilers in this episode. If you have not watched it, you... (laughs) Look, I got, and they shall remain nameless. I got in trouble in a group chat, Instagram DM about a month ago. It was like 48 to 72 hours after the episode. And again, spoilers, 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 spoilers. Spoiler alert. It was like a couple days after the Ahsoka Tano episode. Okay. And I, again, as we know, I don't really, I still, I'm getting better with Star Wars, but you know, there's a lot of things that are just kind of so far afield for me. And so I didn't really understand her. I didn't know her name. And so someone in this group chat said something about an Ahsoka Tano pin, because it's a pin related chat. 
And I okay. said, oh, is that the blue lady with the zebra horns that I saw in the, in the episode the other day? And this one person was like, spoilers, you just ruined the episode. I'm like, okay, well, yes. first off, Rosario yeah. Dawson was announced. Like that was announced, was it not? That wasn't like a surprise. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't a surprise. It was she actually got fan casted, kind of. Uh, years ago on Twitter, she she put that out into the universe, and then there would was scores and scores of fan art in the years waning, and then they casted her. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So the point of me using this example, listeners, dear listeners, is that we're going to talk about things that happened in this show. I even have a couple <laughs> bullet points here tying back into Harry Potter as well as Game of Thrones. So if you oh, have wow. not okay. seen season two of The Mandalorian, if you have not seen Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, and if you have not seen the final season of Game of Thrones. And the rest of the Star Wars probably universe because just blanket it all i'm i'm pulling a lot from i'm probably going to pull a lot from it yeah that's a great point if you haven't seen pop cultural like <laughs> you've been pop culture stuff right the last 40 Over years the, yeah like maybe this isn't the episode for you all right so um steven you mentioned before we started recording you are a brand new fan to star wars as in like recently quarantine fan i guess one thing i'm curious about is i can't i cannot even imagine seeing the whole of basically the whole of star Wars without like, you know, the cultural touch points, you know, from pop culture, like we talked about, but like, I can't even imagine reference point for a lot of things prior to watching things was things he learned through big bang theory. That was not just that. So big bang family guy, that 70s show. Okay. Um, a couple others who are escaping right now, but I was thinking about this the other day. Cause again, I listeners, this is a whole new episode for me. I prepared, I took notes. <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on here. It, maybe it's the mustache. Maybe it's the Duncan onesie. Something about me has changed and I'm a whole new man. Oh man. Um, you, there's a lot of mustaches in the star Wars and mustaches and glasses in the star Wars fandom. So you're not alone. A lot of, including well not the glasses part but including under the helmet of one i can't pronounce his name two d's and some j's pedro pascal's character oh din jaren yes. yeah that one din jaren yeah the, here's the, what I, the I hero of mandalorian the hero i don't want to look we'll get into it more in a minute all i'm going to say though is when he takes off his helmet at the mm-hmm. end of the finale episode he's not nearly sweaty enough no and why does he have the mustache? No one can see what's going on under there. Um, I don't. <laughs> uh, he was last season when he took off the helmet. He was way sweatier because they were in a situation where there was fire everywhere and they were getting shot at. And, and like, was, I know that space is cold. I get that, but <laughs> he just he, he's in this armored suit. Yeah, and he just like fought for his life against. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito, yeah, uh, a bunch of bunch of robots, a dark and, trooper, you know, a bunch of yeah. like I don't. It doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. It's um, so one thing enough. you're gonna one thing you're gonna figure out about Star Wars, Stephen and and Danny. There's a lot of things in Star Wars where it's form over function. If it looks cool, do it. Doesn't make sense, but it, it makes sense in the story. It's fine. There's ships shaped like alphabets. <laughs> Like like letters of the alphabet. Nothing makes sense in Star Wars. Oh, another thing that didn't make Danny, I'm just blowing up whatever kind of 
plot you had for this episode. Another thing that didn't make sense from the finale, the finale, I'm sorry, we're recording this on night one of the two night bachelorette finale. So I have to pronounce <laughs> it like my guy, Chris Harrison. Um, when they land, is it called slave one Boba Fett's yeah. thing, right? Yeah. When they land that and they go to pick up uh, Bo-Katan and the sidekick who says, I didn't know sidekicks to talk. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of funny. Cause you're, yeah. When they land that thing, there's a razor crest in the background that looks distinctly like the razor crest that got blown up an episode prior. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. So there's there's okay. the there's the imperial ship that has kind of like the swan look. Yes. There's the other ship next to it that looks almost kind of like a um, like a horseshoe. Yep. And then just to the right of the imperial swan, uh-huh. there's a razor crest in the background. Hmm, okay. It might be a variant of that same ship. Well, um, it's very possible, but it just it feels like unnecessary confusion. Yeah, true. True. Um, the, the thing about Star Wars too is that there's a lot of background stuff that people only the hardcore fans catch. Um there's an entire site dedicated to it called Wikipedia, which is great. So before I get too deep into a lot of the conspiracy theories that I want to talk about and a lot of the <laughs> crap that I've got written down. Jordan, let me ask you, because you're on the other end of the spectrum for me, how did Star Wars start for you? And just talk to us about what it means to you. Oh, man. Um, I actually have proof uh, of a a little essay that I, that I wrote in probably kindergarten. Um, I was about five years old of when I first went over to my cousin's house, who is, he's my older cousin, and he got me into star Wars, but this was, this would have been about maybe 98 or 99. Um, and I went over to his house. I think it was maybe for Christmas break or summer break. And I, it says in the little kindergarten essay that I wrote, went over to my cousin's house and he got the star Wars original trilogy, uh, the special edition when they, when they added, you know, new effects and stuff in the, in 97 is when they re-released the star Wars trilogy in anticipation for the prequels coming in a couple of years after that. And so I went out and I'd never, I'd never seen it. I'd never heard of star Wars. Didn't know what it was. I was probably six or so. Um, and that entire weekend or that entire week or whatever, we watched a new hope empire strikes back and return of the Jedi. And my little child brain exploded. Um, and then a couple of years later, episode one, the Phantom Menace. And then uh, the prequels came out, you know, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, and I had gone to the midnight premieres or whatever they were, had my parents take me or my dad or whoever would go, you know, um, after that. And so, I mean, yeah, six years old or so, uh, my, you know, eighth or ninth birthday was a Star Wars. I begged, you know, I, my requirement was having my mom make me a Star Wars cake. So she icing the lightsabers, you know, together and whatever. And, you know. We had candles and uh, uh, balloons with X-Wings and stuff on them. I mean, it goes way back, like way back. So um, that's where it started, and it captured my imagination. I've always been a very imaginative child, and I've been an imaginative person and sort of been able to be in, lose myself in those sort of worlds that take you away, that, that, that make you escape to another world. Um, that's probably part of the large reason you guys like Harry Potter so much is it's such an immersive, all-consuming um, world with depth and characters and places and 
different events and just and it's all in this big interconnected story and that's that's why I liked what I liked about Star Wars. Like the first when you watch the first movie, like Star Wars proper, like A New Hope in '77. So that would have been like the oldest looking one, Stephen, that you saw the the one in 1977 where there's like janky robots with like wires hanging out and stuff like that, and you can tell it's a shoestring budget, um, or it's just the '70s, you know. Um, but the characters in that movie reference the way George Lucas wrote them. He like so Obi Wan references, you know, I was once a Jedi Knight, same as your father. We fought together in the Clone Wars and stuff like that. Like he starts referencing all of this like stuff that happened off screen before, way before the movie happens. And that's part of the reason that it grips people and it grips me is because it's something that this imaginative world, much like Rowling and Tolkien, uh, you know, created this world where, okay, we all, I kind of know the rules or I know there's something going on. Here's the rules. It's in space. It's a galaxy or whatever. And then just much like the, his, um, the Buck Rogers, uh, serials like 1950 serials that he used to watch he, you would catch it it's syndicated television so he would catch it in the middle of an arc you know he'd be like and last time on buck rogers like this was happening and blah 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 he wanted to evoke that feeling which is where he got the title call, crawl from too buck rogers has that title crawl at the beginning so it's really based on 1950s serialized television and we kind of came full circle with the mandalorian because it's back to serialized television um, but yeah, I mean, it's just such an imaginative world. I mean, there's a spiritual aspect of it with the force, like mystical aspect of it. There's like a technology aspect of it, of like super lasers and death, you know, planet destroying, you know, weapons. And then there's aliens and ships and I don't know, just bounty hunters and like scum and villainy and those, you know, the the clone wars and the scale is just epic. And I mean, there's just so many aspects of it for, for so many people of all ages to enjoy. It's an all encompassing, almost genre into itself now. Um, Would you consider star Wars? your like one big, your biggest fandom. I know you are a fan of other things, but like, yeah. Out of your fandoms. Yeah. I'd probably say so, especially, especially recently, like with the Mandalorian, it's, it's done a lot to reignite a lot of people's love for star Wars. Um, but yes, definitely Star Wars is is up there with fandom. It's probably my top. The Mandalorian really leads into that, like the the Western vibe, because it's one of the first things Steven said to me after watching the first few episodes, because he, Steven, you didn't tell any, well, you didn't tell me that you were watching The Mandalorian and all of a sudden I was getting texts about The Mandalorian. I'm a man of mystery, Danny. <laughs> Do you want me to say more than that or can I just leave it at that? <laughs> I, I guess you can just leave it at that if you don't Great. have anything else to say. I'm a man of mystery. That's all you need to know. <laughs> well, we'll stick it with that and your Duncan onesie. I'm not wearing the onesie tonight, let me say. I should. It's chilly and my feet are a little cold, yeah. um, but I'm not. They sell, keeping it on topic, they sell the Chewbacca Wookiee furry onesies at Target. I see them every once in a while. If you wanted to really jump in. I think that's a really good life choice. Uh, no, I don't. Look, I, I, I like Chewbacca just the same, but I'm not. You don't want to wear him as a, as a onesie. Yeah, I'm not out here in the streets like repping <laughs> Chewbacca. <laughs> he does, just yeah. donuts. He 
Chewbacca kind of runs into the same problem that Stewie and Family Guy does. There's the eternal conundrum of who can understand him, who's able to talk to him. Like, there's a lot of rule bending and breaking where, like, at some points, like, Han is the only one who can understand him. But at some points, like, other characters just talking to Chewbacca. It doesn't really... I'm not rocking a Chewbacca onesie because of the inconsistencies in the lore. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, Stephen, I hate to break it to you about inconsistencies in lore, but Star Wars is not Star Wars is not the same as Lord of the Rings, and in 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 he hasn't seen those. Okay, well, I'm trying. Try is uh, here's here's my opinion. Hot hot take i guess but not i i think george lucas had some semblance of a plan and outlines and stuff like that but it the writing's on the wall and it's clear that he changed a lot of stuff along the way even after the first movie came out like when he was setting up the sequels um so i don't think he had he had definitely an a semblance of an idea of where he wanted to go in the grand scheme but I think individual characters and their relationships with each other and the locales and the names and stuff, he, I think we're all just, you know, on the cutting room until he put what he wanted to in there. So um, the lore is not super consistent. There's a lot of, uh, there could be a lot of retcons going on. And now there's, since the Disney acquisition, canon was changed, which is another aspect we can get into if we want. That said, canon might have changed, but as of, Monday, December 21st at 828, nope, 829 uh, p.m. Eastern, George Lucas has not revealed himself to be, as far as I know, like an like a overwhelming bigot of any way, shape, or form. So yeah, Star no. Wars does have that going for it over, <laughs> over the other series that we know and love. Oh, man. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll take the lore inconsistencies over hating trans people. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, there's... And and you're right. And we Star Wars, I think, had plenty of chances to screw the pooch uh, in that respect. Um, George Lucas always kind of had this punk rock attitude, though, of like sticking it to the man. Like part of the reason that he he self financed, I think, the second movie, maybe third. I think he self financed every Star Wars movie ever since the first one. Um, don't quote me on that. That may be wrong, but. All, all, all that to say, he was very particular about control of his his IP, his 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 stories and his characters and stuff from the from the Hollywood, you know, the suits, as as he said. So um, he was always kind of uh, he liked the story of the underdog. I mean, look at the look at the Rebels versus the Empire. His whole thing was the underdog against the big the big, you know, conglomerate. So I think that he. I think he has that punk rock attitude that a lot a lot of us really admire one thing i want to talk about just because it kind of came up semi-organically here um, before we dive into mandalorian and season two and all that great stuff mm-hmm. um, is because you brought it up I, i've been thinking a lot recently given all of the disney announcements about the expansion of the star wars universe over the past couple of weeks mm-hmm. um you know i i, I know somewhat Famously, infamously at this point, a lot of people in the Harry Potter fandom know that when J.K. Rowling was shopping the idea of Harry Potter coming to life in a theme park experience, she had signed a letter of intent with Disney back in 2003. Um, 
at which point Disney, when they were going through the creative process, I say rumor, there was some guy, I wish I had written down his name, one of those Disney kind of inside bloggers who had reported that the idea that Disney had given J.K. Rowling was like a Buzz Lightyear type uh, like adventure, like that Buzz Lightyear ride at Disney World, okay. but, for, but with wands, and then like an okay. interactive petting zoo for magical creatures, and then like a oh. themed restaurant, and that was it. And okay. the reporting kind of indicated that J.K. Rowling bristled back against it, backed out of the letter. And that's how we ended up with Harry Potter World at uh, the right. Wizarding World of Harry Potter, excuse me to all the purists, um, at, at Universal. My point in saying all of this is in light of all of the Disney announcements that have come out recently and Galaxy's Edge and everything that Disney is doing around the Star Wars franchise, part of me wonders what would have happened had J.K. Rowling gone through with Disney and what that would have meant for the franchise, for the canon, for the expansion of the universe and all of that. Mm. And and I kind of almost like regretful, like regretfully kind of think about that. But then at the same time, I think there's an argument that can be made where Universal purchasing the rights to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter then pushed Disney to go all in to compete and say, okay, well, we need to up our game in the fandom. So it's almost like, can one happen, one happen without the other? So anyway, that's all to say that I found this topic interesting. I've been debating it kind of in my own head for the past couple yeah. of weeks. I'm curious if either know. of y'all have thoughts. Yeah. I think Danny, with, you go the first. Parks, with the parks specifically, because I have been a Disney fan all of my life. And I've been a Harry which Potter is a fan. Long, which is a long life, y'all. I mean, she's not talking about you know, a mere 10, 15, 20, 25 years. She's talking about like 60, 66 years. Oh man. A long life for her to be a fan. One more year and I can get social security. You're damn close. (laughs) What do you do for your skin? That's amazing. Wow. (laughs) So I've been to Disney since like high school years. So I've seen the parks, but with galaxy's edge, when that came out, there's a, definite switch like it's more immersive you feel like you're there it's not just open air like it's outside but you feel like you're in that you're in the marketplace you feel things all around you there's stuff happening above uh this week i posted a picture from batu in galaxy's edge and it's literally a shot looking up in the marketplace and it's just you feel like you're there and mm-hmm. a lot of most i would say the majority of the rest of the disney parks at least for disney world it do, it's not like that. Like you enjoy it. It's an experience, but it's not as immersive. Whereas I feel like Harry Potter is very immersive. Like as soon as you walk through those barriers, you are in the world. And I think Galaxy's Edge did do that. And I think they kind of had to take a lesson from Wizarding World of Harry Potter and realize that that really works and people love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll be, I'll be curious to see what I, I say, if anything, but they have to, right. You, you've got, even though it's kind of a damaged cow at this point, you still have the golden calf here. You kind of got to milk it for all it's worth. I'll be curious to see what, um, what's the name of the new company, HBO Warner Media, the the controlling entity that owns the rights to, to Warner Brothers and therefore Harry Potter. I'll be curious to see what they do in the coming years with all of their streaming platforms and all of their various media entities with the Wizarding World and, and mm-hmm. if how it all, the canon expands. Have so parks jordan i have not okay. i've never been to galaxy's edge which 
I don't know if I'm not, I don't know if I'm that big of a Star Wars fan, I guess then, but to be fair, it only opened up in 2018 and we had two years and then pandemic. So, I mean, you still have time um, and you wouldn't have been able to ride half the things there unless you woke up at 3am. So you're good. Right. Exactly. Um, that's cool. Um, have you, have either of you been, uh, to galaxy's edge? You said you did Danny. Yes. I haven't been on the new ride that released a year ago. I had gone right before that opened. Got it. Okay. Um, that's interesting. Your observation because, um, about both worlds, them taking a page maybe from the wizarding world about being immersive. Um, that fits with star Wars. I mean, the whole, one of the, one of the big, um, one of the big draws and one of the big sort of things that captures the magic is just, again, being in another world. And I think that building a star, a star Wars theme park or a star Wars sort of experience, um, the material itself almost lends itself to that because I mean, so take, um, in this, in this, uh, not this season of the Mandalorian, but the last one, they had a couple, uh, they had an episode with some X-Wing pilots that show up and it's the direct, it's, it's all the directors. It's like Dave Filoni. And then there's, there's, um, Deborah Chow's in one. Um, and so they, they come out of hyperspace and then they, they needed to do this. And this is in the behind the scenes gallery stuff on Disney plus you can, you can watch these, but like they needed a, they needed an X-Wing cockpit to shoot, to shoot those scenes. And they're like, oh, I'm going to build an X-Wing cockpit. Like, Oh, whatever. So they actually intercepted the truck that was carrying the X-Wing that goes, that goes in galaxy's edge in Batu. And so those shots are actually that X-Wing, that same X-Wing that's in Batu. So just the, the level of star Wars is not just like a, a cool story that someone made and, and they uh, put to screen, but it, it spawned, it spawned the special effects industry. Like the original star Wars in 77 spawned and revolutionized how motion pictures, how like big, you know, special effects and visual effects and computer generated effects are made. It changed the game and it, and they continue changing the game. It also changed a lot with um, puppeting because I read um, Jim Henson's biography and they talked a lot about the agreement that Jim Henson had with George Lucas and getting things to be properly done yeah. with the characters. That's so cool. And that makes sense. I mean, they had, they brought Yoda to life. They brought Jabba the Hutt to life. I mean, there's so many, the Ewoks, like there's so many, um, there's so much craft that goes into it besides the, you know, just the, the writing the story and making cool, like things seem cool on, on page. You have to bring them to screen and, the use of puppets. I love that they're going back to the use of puppets and the more practicalness in the re- in the recent years with the no CGI you know, Yoda. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. which well, let me you know, I gotta not push back on that, but just a point about that is this pandemic and this quarantine needs to end really soon because <laughs> if you watch the prequel trilogy, CGI Yoda is relatively normal looking as far as little green things go like he like you know he's got all of his teeth he in his own way is copus mentis like he's sane and then you go to the the original trilogy where he's been in quarantine by himself on (laughs) wherever the hell that is uh the dagobah system yeah he's missing teeth he's like kind of like a wino he kind of like cackles like kind of inset like incoherently 
Yeah. It's a bad indictment of what happens when you social distance and quarantine for too long. <laughs> I I didn't think about it like that, but yes, um, Yoda, and, and yeah, and I would I would have to imagine Yoda is a kind of a more pa- more one of the more patient characters, being nine hundred years old, you know, and still. So I mean, we got to get that vaccine. Give me that needle. Um, I need it. Um, uh, and and I I, I got to get, get a vaccine, and then I'm gonna go to a bar and sing karaoke in that order. Um. But yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, it is a bit of a I that that was one question I had or one um sort of inkling of what I had into your mind, Stephen, of watching Star Wars all together at the same time. I cannot even imagine how that was. Yeah, it was the first time I watched it. Did you watch release order or did you just go like one through I did release order. Okay. Good. Um and I'm doing release order on this last seventy two hour kind of binge too. Um yeah. The first time I watched through back in May, and for the listeners, great plug. If you want to hear my kind of fairly unedited raw thoughts on the series, we recorded an episode with Katie and Russell all about Star Wars. Well, it was predominantly Russell. Katie popped in here or there. Um, and, and that is back in the Creating Magic uh, episode log. So be sure to subscribe and download. Um, I don't know if I've, I've actually heard that one yet. So Danny, sometime in late May. Does that sound right to you? I think so. Um, no. you would get along very, I like, it'd be very interesting to see the star Wars conversations between you and Russell. Yeah. I'm, I'm down for that. For a future. All, maybe season three, we need to do another. Or yeah. Come back for book of Boba Fett. I thought you were saying season three of this podcast. I was like, we haven't even had season two yet. God damn. <laughs> um, no. So the first time I watched through a lot of character names kind of escaped me. Yeah. Um, a lot of, a lot of I, like, I wasn't able to necessarily differentiate between movies within the respective trilogies. Right. Like I was able to speak through like, Oh, look, I like this arc within the prequel or I liked the, the music in, you know, this. And I like, but from like Russell would be like, yeah, like in, in two during this scene this thing i'm like oh i don't really remember if that was one or two or three for that matter um so the second watch through the language of star wars was a lot more familiar to me having seen the movies and then watching the mandalorian um like i wasn't nearly as lost in the dialect um but you know I, i i think the thing and russell made this point that i've seen all the remastered ones so i didn't see kind of the originals but you know the the special effects hold up, uh, you know, there are some points in the original, like in the, maybe in um, when they're fighting at Hoth, that sounds right to me, um, where like it kind of looks like in Power Rangers when the Zords would fall and it very clearly was just like a tiny little Lego thing on like, yeah. a, you know, there are some moments where that kind of kicks in, but generally speaking, these movies absolutely hold up, you know, through time and it's, it's remarkable. Yeah, um, I will say especially, so there was a big, uh, George Lucas has been known to go back and, and redo and add and, and, and tweak with his original. I saw that. I saw that because at the end of, I'm guessing it was A New Hope. Is that six? A uh, New Hope is four. Whatever it's, one six is. Return of the Jedi? Yeah, at the end of that one where Luke sees all the ghosts. Mm-hmm. And there's Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen. And yeah. I had to look up. I was like, wait a minute. When was this movie filmed? Because he can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. I know then there's the famous Greedo Hanshot first thing. I, yeah. I know there's a lot of things that pop up. Um, 
But yeah, yeah that ghost one really threw me off. Because some of them, like, I understand they mess with the lore. So, like, I understand why, like, purists get mad. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it was like the ghost. I was like, well, that's clearly not right. I Yeah, the original... Right. The original version had Sebastian Shaw in there, who is the original man who was in the suit that they when he took off the helmet at the end of that movie. He's just a he didn't have the makeup or scarring on or whatever. It was just a guy in a, in a Jedi robe. And quite honestly, that was the first version I saw because I saw it in in '97 uh, before they added Hayden Christensen. Even there are two, there are two or three versions of of that movie, and with varying levels of like you know, adding this stuff here or tweaking this stuff here. So Star Wars fans kind of get like, like that's kind of our, George Lucas is such a perfectionist that I think it gets in the way of his storytelling sometimes. But it also gave us ILM and THX and Dolby Digital Surround. Like all this, like he's an, he's, he's an innovator and editor at heart and like a, a visionary at heart, maybe not the best director. So let's talk a little bit now because somehow we're you know, like 44 minutes into this and we haven't really, other than the fact that Pedro Pascal didn't sweat enough under that suit. Um, <laughs> let's talk. Also, look, again, very comfortable with my sexuality, but a sweaty Pedro Pascal, I'm here for. Like, guy is just attractive. I think I think everyone swooned when he took off the helmet and little uh, Grogu with his, with his hand reached up and just touched his cheek. Well, so there's there's the first quibble I want to bring up about. So, I mean, look, we can talk about the Mandalorian kind of at a macro level, but I have a lot of notes somewhat specific to the finale. Okay. Um, that's the first thing, actually, I want to bring up is I did find that moment touching at the very end when Grogu goes to touch the helmet and he removes the helmet and Pedro Pascal is tearing up and all that. But did you find it somewhat dampened by... Mando having taken off his helmet in the prior episode to do the face scan at the Imperial base. No. And I'll tell you why it's, it's that first helmet reveal was a narrative, another narrative story or another narrative reason that he took it off. We've set up this entire series, how in season one, it was set up how Din and the Mandalorian, this is the way he is the most Mandalorian Mandalorian. Until you find out in season two when you run into this character called Bo-Katan. And if you were a Star Wars Clone Wars fan before this series, the helmet rule would not make sense to you. Because we saw years of Mandalorians not caring about whether their helmets were on or off um, in the Clone Wars. So I, I, I thought about that, but it didn't, really, it didn't really affect the storyline or anything for me. But they did address it in season two when Bo-Katan shows up in live action. With Katie Sackhoff, who voiced her in the in the animated series, by the way, which is really cool. Um, and so Bill Katan shows up and they take off their helmets. Din's like, "You guys aren't true Mandalorians. What are you doing? You can't take your helmets off." She says, "You're a children. You're a child of the Watch." Basically, that section of Mandalorians follow a very very strict code. You know, trying to be the most Mandalorian Mandalorians. Essentially, they're kind of religious zealots. Um, the him taking off his helmet in the penultimate episode with Bill Burr's, you know, character kind of egging him on and stuff like that shows how far he's willing to go for this little little thing, this little child. So I have a couple three things. First off, is like a potential dangler for a season three thing. 
maybe I don't understand the technology at play when he was doing the Imperial face scan. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't one assume that it's not going to scan anyone's face? It's going to like scan to make sure you're an Imperial soldier? It's going to be scanned to make sure you're not registered with the Empire anywhere uh, as a criminal. Or, a, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like... In the but that's earlier, a low bar. That's a really low bar. If that's the case, like if this is like a military, have you seen the Imperials try to fight people? They don't hit anything. They're dumb. But if this is a if this is a military installation, in theory, wouldn't it be like the like kind of like having a code word clearance, right? Wouldn't you have not just meet a bar, but surpass that bar? Is this like password one two three four? Right. Yeah. That, like, that's basically it. Which I don't know. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I don't necessarily have an answer for you there, except for it was it was for the story. Cool. Second thing. To, second thing. The information. To yeah. Get fair to enough. Fair. RPG fair rules. Enough. Um, fair enough. The second thing is, do you put much stock in? Oh, sorry to interrupt you. That first thing, though, people have already pointed out. His face is 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 in the Imperial Registry now, though. That could come back in season three. Could be a cool plot boom, thread. Boom, boom. <laughs> exactly. So, Sorry, what was your what was your third point? Well, no, the, so the second your point second is when I saw not just in the face scan in fifteen, but in sixteen when he removes his helmet for Grogu, I I was immediately thinking about all the reports I kept reading about the big bust up between Pedro Pascal and Filoni and Favreau about how Pedro Pascal basically was like, hey, can I get more literal FaceTime? Because yeah. I'm putting on this suit a lot and it's not really like, it, it, it could be John Wayne's son under there, which it, or grandson or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. Which it was sometimes for the stunt devil, yeah. So, so do, you, do you ascribe much, if any, credence to two face reveals in the last two episodes to kind of pacify Pedro Pascal? Mm, I don't know. I think we'll figure it out years from now or months from now or whatever. I don't really care. I mean, it served its narrative purpose. I don't really care if I see more of Pedro's face or not. Um, I think it's super dope that he's gone this long without showing his face because think about it. A Hollywood actor, like a big time actor, dude, your face is your moneymaker. Like you, people pay big money for your face. So for Pedro Pascal to come in and say, okay, fine, I'll do an entire season without my face shown and entire two seasons without my face shown mostly and just voice voiceover. Um, I'm sure there's contract stuff going on behind the scene and that's what I'm sure. I mean, I would, I would try to like, he's an actor. He needs to get more money and FaceTime and stuff. And he needs one of those cool, like an, uh, uh, artwork posters with this, with his helmet off. Like we still, you know, like he's, um, but I, I I haven't read much up on. I know there is some rumors flying around of him being controversially like, give me more FaceTime. But I, I haven't really read up on it a lot. So Star Wars gossip is just so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I I I got burned a, out with the last three movies of it. So fair. Um, yeah, the reporting's out there. You know, I'm just here to have a good time. I'm look. I'm I'm here to I'm here to drink beer and I'm out of my Darth Vader glass, and I'm here to see. Um, see our heroes wreck stormtroopers, and I'm all out of beer. So, loving stormtroopers. <laughs> the third, the third point is. So you said earlier that 
the whole keep your helmet on in perpetuity is kind of messed up if you watch the Clone Wars and know yeah. Bo-Katan and all that. So to that point, the Darksaber. Yes. Which Giancarlo Esposito, in a really kind of bizarre, pseudo-sexual, seductive way, is so happy to inform us during that last episode, can only be passed down through it's almost kind of like the elder wand in Harry Potter. It's like, yeah. you have to, you have to earn it through battle. You can't just be handed over. Yes. But then he goes on to say that it's not like an actual, tra- like unlike the elder wand, which requires that, that, that literal transference through force. Mm-hmm. The dark saber doesn't require that. It's the story that makes it so powerful, not the actual act of earning it. So then why can't Bo-Katan be like, well, you took your fucking helmet off. So yeah, sure. I'll take the sword. Thank you. I don't understand. Like that made no sense. It's, it's setting up a season three plot for them to fight. I get it, but it made yeah. no sense to me in the moment. Yeah, the dark saber means a lot. It's um, it's got its um, it's got its background. You find you you actually find out a lot more about it in Clone Wars and Rebels, the animated series. Uh, the dark saber is actually um, was created thousands of years ago. I'm not sure how long ago by the first Mandalorian Jedi. Uh, it was the first ever Mandalorian to become a Jedi and be inducted into the Jedi Order, and they create they became Mandalore, the leader of of Mandalore, the Mandalore, and created this weapon, and then was passed down in clans and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know as much as I haven't brushed brushed up on Clone Wars. I don't know who begat this to begat that to the dark saber or whatever. But all I know is that it's, it's sort of like Excalibur. It's like, it, it represents power and represents uniting the people of Mandalore. And it's been used that way. Which to that end, if you're in a room of all friends and one guy who presumably you're going to kill or put in prison forever, mm-hmm. and you want this thing more than anything in the world. And this guy mm-hmm. is like, Hey, I really don't care for this. I'm just want to go help out my little green friend. Why yeah. be like, hey guys, I'm taking the sword. Don't tell. Uh, like, I, I don't understand. It's a, it's a funny bit of role reversal, I think, if you think about it narratively, because Din was all bothered about whether they would keep their helmets on. He doesn't care anymore, apparently, because this love, the love of this child is breaking down any sort of hangups that he's had about frivolous things like that, right? Like things that don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. What matters is this love for this child, not whether I can remove my helmet. So now Bo-Katan sort of switched places in that narrative story of being stubborn and bound to the rules. Um, so we could see a, a fruition. I think we will see a fruition of that in season three. So I have a couple line reading uh, comments that I'd like to make at this point. So starting with our girl Bo-Katan. They're in the middle of the super 10 standoff. The dark troopers are punching their way through this They're rock'em sock'em roboting their way into the bridge. Yep. I got, so I definitely got that. And then in my head, I heard Sir Alistair Thorne from game of Thrones being like, it's, I can't do the accent. It's three inches of gold rolled steel. Like I, you know, like it, anywho, it's all to say yeah. tense moment. Like yeah. you're facing your mortality in the face. Yeah. We, Again, saw, John, how much, John, we saw how much trouble Din had with one. Yep. One of those troopers. I mean, which again, like, John Carlos Esposito is so happy to point out in like a really weird sexual way. Oh yeah, he's that. definitely he's definitely having a having a good time. It's weird. Like he's sitting there, face bloodied, like these 
dark trooper. So I don't know how they differentiate between him and anyone else in the room. Like they're not really sentient, are they? Like I don't fully understand. I'm sure they I'm sure for reasons he's DNA is programmed in the don't Fair. shoot me or whatever. Yeah. Anywho, the two line readings that really get me. Bo Katan in the middle of this 10 standoff. Like again, guns, guns ready. All of a sudden the X-Wing comes in and she yeah. super calmly says, incoming aircraft, identify yourself. Like, I don't know about you, but if you were in the middle <laughs> of a standoff with guns yeah. and someone just drove up out of nowhere, you wouldn't look at them super calmly and be like, hey, who are you? You'd be shouting and there'd be panic. She was just like, Was hey, that guys. before or after they saw the, that it was an X-Wing? No, it, they saw it was an X-Wing. Like in it the was, same moment. It was okay. it was when they, she looked at the little. But the thing is, also they're on this huge ass ship, and it's just one X wing. Yeah, like, you're already like, okay, we're about to die from these crazy robot guys. Are you really going to start getting concerned over the one X wing when all these other things are coming and attack well, you? I, and I just don't get why she was so calm about it. Like, if I again, you're right, Danny. I wouldn't really be worried about one single plane when there's like. 20 like robots about to you know tear me to pieces but she was just so she was like hey get incoming aircraft identify yourself and it's like okay well maybe a little more kind of <laughs> i don't know anyway. we're gonna come we're gonna come to uh, another aspect about star wars uh, it's not it, they're not gonna ever win any um anything for acting in star wars if you get cast in star look I love Gina Carano's character. Like, I love how they like set up that she's like, she her her planet was blown up, and then she's kind of whatever. But she's like, okay, cool, I'll join the the New Republic again. Um, but Gina Carano's not not the greatest actor. I mean, so you, they they cast her, you know, to do this, you know, Cara Dune stuff of you know her 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 minigun being jammed, and then she's just you know taking stormtroopers out with the gun, and then he unjams the gun and yeah which Not, leads that leads yeah, if to you another, were hoping if you were hoping for subtext and delivery of lines it, it happens in in <laughs> uh in focused areas like bill burr and the imperial guy fair you know that's like it, it's acting. up there with the why is he always covered in blood oh my god that's one of the ones i have <laughs> okay so okay so uh, well, well uh, that's one of my i have two more line readings that's one of them so when Moff Gideon is standing over Grogu with the Darksaber and D- Jinjan, what's his name? Just call him Mando. Yeah, Mando. When Mando. he when he walks in the little cell and and Moff Gideon and Giancarlo is just like so I love Giancarlo Esposito as a villain. Because yeah. he to Gus, me is Gus like Ring. Yeah. he's the perfect example. Like you don't have to be like a snarling evil character to be mm-hmm. bad. Like you can sure. be just cold and like pragmatic and he is that but to the point now where when he was like i just wanted his blood i was like oh my god that's Ginny weasley he got his line reading from bonnie Wright because it's it's the same line reading there's no emote and it works really well in star wars did not work very well for bonnie Wright, might i say um but it's the same line reading okay that's a reference i'm not familiar with for on the harry potter side in half-blood prince okay when in the beginning of the movie, when Harry goes to do his little uh, Inspector Clouseau on the Hogwarts Express and try to see what Draco's up to. Uh, okay, yeah. Draco punches Harry in the nose and covers him with the invisibility cloak and leaves him there. Because, right, like, okay. you're going to get sent back to London. Fuck you. You're out of here. Yeah. Um, Harry tonks in the in the movies, Luna in the books, or is that vice versa? 
No, vice versa. Vice versa. Uh, yeah. Tonics in the books, Luna in the movies, uncovers and brings him up to the castle. Harry has a broken nose. He's covered in blood. When he walks into the Great Hall, Ginny, who is supposedly madly in love with Harry, right? Supposedly is like always all wanted were. Harry. As we all were. Yeah, fair. Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, got it. Yep, sure. She says, devoid of any emotion. Because Hermione and Ron are like, where's Harry? And Ron's like stuffing his face. Hermione's like, how can you think about food when your best friend's missing? And Ron's like, in like with a chicken wing, and he's like, oh, he's right there. Yeah, like his mouth full. And Ginny goes, like with no emotion. He's covered in his blood. Why is he always covered in his blood? It's like, what? What? Yeah. Um, I, I, I take uh, that one line from Bo-Katan, Uncoming Craft, Identify Yourself, and raise you all of Natalie Portman's lines in the prequels. Yeah, Said without but she's emotion, pre- she's she's pretty. So I like. She's a good actor too, or actress, right? Like she's like like Natalie Portman. Like I'm pretty sure she won an Oscar. Like she's Black she's a great one, right? Yeah, yeah. She's one. She's like a great actress. Star Wars is just not known for its dialogue. Is it's it's uh it's it's engaging dialogue. Um, when other cool things are happening on screen. I saw Mark Hamill commented on that the other maybe maybe I don't think it was the other week. It was a couple of years ago. He was talking yeah. about a lot of the abuse that Hayden Christensen faced, and yeah. he made some comment on the lines of like, "Trust me, I know all about clunky dialogue." Hayden did yeah. exactly what George wanted. Um, yeah. Anywho, the third not this is not a line reading so much as the scene that struck me as bizarre when they board the ship with the DJ scientist. Um, he's got those DJ glasses on. Like he's got, like he looks <laughs> like he's a, ready to be, go to a. Club. Oh, the the Star Wars fandom is already standing Doctor Pershing, the clone right. doctor. He's 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 a hipster royalty in Star Wars now, I guess. Yes. Um, when they board that ship, and the one pilot kills the the other one. Yeah. The one pilot's like, I don't have the 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 first one. The one yeah. is like, I don't have a death wish. Yeah. But then. Uh, when Cara Dune comes on, he's like, like he's nagging her, he's gaslighting her, trying yeah. to get himself killed. So I don't, he's, uh, you know, point A. Bad, bad guy's not, got a bad guy. I don't have a death wish. 30 seconds later, he's encouraging someone who has a gun pointed at his head to kill him. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Bad guy's gonna bad guy, I guess. We, we knew that um, Kara had to shoot him in the face in the script. And so like, you want to really make him make you despise the empire. Star Wars has this problem in that people die a lot. Like there's just like the body count just for the death star alone. Like the guy mentions is in the millions, which is a thing that Star Wars fans have already talked about. Like we were like, like, have you seen that, that meme where it's like, are we the baddies? You know, um, from, I forget what it's from. Um, and he talks about like blowing up your planet was a small price to pay to rid the galaxy of terrorism. If you think of it from the perspective of the empire, the rebels are just terror, a small terrorist group trying to blow up their, their government basically. Cause the, the empire is the government of the galaxy at the, at that time or was. So anyway, yeah, I don't have a question. Uh, if you're going to talk to me about dialogue and whether like this makes sense with that, it's you're you're at, you're you're watching the wrong movies, bud. We're here to <laughs> Okay, yeah. Yeah, fair. We're fair, we're fair, here fair. to we're here to chop up robots down a hallway and 
Which, all right, so I don't, uh, Danny, I have two more points on my notes I want to get through, but what I'm about to say is not one of them because Jordan just brought it up. Um, I did really love, I have to assume you did as well, all of the callbacks to Anakin slash Darth Vader as Luke or CGI Luke was going through the cruiser. That was really cool. Yeah, they gave him a Rogue One Vader hallway scene moment. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was incredible. I, I've and I've watched a bunch of reactions to this as well because I always just love seeing like it's just nice knowing there are other people out there that also are twenty nine years old and cried at seeing a, a guy in a hood with the with the glow stick sword, whatever a laser sword. You know, it's just like it's a silly thing, but it's like it's also our childhood when when you realize that it's Luke Skywalker for me at least it was like it was similar to the feeling I had when I was six years old that one weekend and I saw Return of the Jedi the first time because you see Luke in Empire Strikes Back at the end right he just found out that Vader is his dad he got his hand chopped off his one of his good friends is frozen in carbonite and taken away and like you know the, the 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 rebels are on the run from the empire like they basically won and then you see him in return of the jedi you see you see somebody in return of the jedi at the beginning show up in a black cloak like takes out some guards with the force shows up and it's luke and he's like you can just tell that he's got this like oh i'm a badass now like you don't like i can handle myself now he's that swagger he was so now unsh- yeah and that um, hallway scene and and what happened in the Mando finale was um, finale was just the realization of the legends were true. He really was the Luke Skywalker that we thought that could clear an entire hallway of of dark troopers, which is and actually, think nothing about it. Well, and that's actually I think really important because the Luke that I saw in those sequels right Mm -hmm. old kind of washed up luke not looking dissimilar to your facial hair and hair thing you got (laughs) going on now jordan might i add um is like yeah it doesn't really it's the the look of of someone who's been in quarantine for too long and that's kind of what luke was on that was on the island here's the thing steven it you can't be a jedi master like master like one with the force enlightened buddha style Unless you quarantine yourself in, on an island remote planet somewhere and just commune with the force for years, apparently. But, but <laughs> so I actually, I really think this is an important point because from my perspective, as someone who's watched these movies a couple of times pretty intensely, but you know, I don't know them, you know, chapter, book, and verse. I don't see Luke at any point in the original trilogy as like that great of a Jedi. Certainly compared to when I see Obi-Wan in the prequel or I see Anakin in the prequel. So for me, even in this, just in this little scene at the end of Mandalorian here, mm-hmm. to see that, because like when you see him in, in Rogue One or whatever, right? When you mm-hmm. see him in this, whatever it is in the sequel, not Rogue One. Yeah. In the sequel movies. You like this in uh, Force, Force Awakens, Last Jedi. Yeah, that one, those ones, right? He, I've never seen him to be the one, right? The chosen one. Yeah. Um, so this well, he's was not, a really he's not cool. technically. Well, uh, but yes, the son of the chosen one. Son of the chosen one. Yeah. I've never seen him to be the Jedi that everyone claimed, you know? Yeah. Um, so to get that validation in that hallway yeah. was really cool. 
Yeah. Well, the re- part of the reason that people were clamoring so much for this was one, you know, you see Return of the Jedi and we're like, what if you could do Return of the Jedi, but with like today's technology, you know, we can wreck, you know, take Star Destroyers, you know, and fans are always going to, the, the problem with fan service in Star Wars is that it's just such a fine line of, they just did that to, for the member berries. You remember this? And they, and at the fine line between that and like actually serving a narrative purpose and making sense in the story or being compelling in the story. The other, um, the other two things I wanted to bring up, Danny, and then I'll cede control of this podcast back to you. Um, first was during the scene when uh, her name's Fennec, I believe. Fennec Shand, yeah. Not to be confused with Fennec from The Hunger Games. Um, very different characters. Mm. Um, when Fennec and Bo-Katan are doing, and, and Cara Dune are doing their little, uh, like, thing when they're going through like that loading area and they're killing all of the yeah whatever's i got very strong the long night the episode from game of thrones when the battle of winterfell happens and ari is going through the library i remember so i was i remember during uh during the season game of thrones they released in the after the thrones and they kind of had the directors kind of talking about it they set up that entire sequence with aria throughout the castle as like a horror movie Right. They, they talked about how that, that episode was like three different sets. There was like a like a fighting kind of thriller part. There was like a horror one. There's a third one I'm forgetting. Um, but I very much got during the scene with Fennec and Bo-Katan and all them, like that kind of horror movie kind of aspect where you're rolling around corners and then boom, there's a guy. You got to shoot him. Right. Then you're coming around another corner. And I really loved that. I thought that was really well done. The action, especially. OK, so. The cool, one of the coolest things I think about the Mandalorian and about all these other shows that that are coming out, um, or a lot of these other shows that are coming out, is that and and about Rogue One and Solo, apart from the Skywalker saga, is that I love Star Wars maybe even more nowadays when there aren't any Jedi or there's very limited amount of of Force and Jedi and crazy stuff going around when it's just people like. Like then Mando is just a dude. He was a dude making his like he's just like uh, I'm get to the next job, get paid, get to the next job. He's he's Mister Everyman in the galaxy, and I love that because you get to see parts of, of the Star Wars galaxy in everyday life, like low to the ground. Whereas you know normally we see it from ten thousand feet above, literally when there's like a fleet of star destroyers and you're like you know it's war, like it's a big battle. And it was cool to see in in the course of the Mandalorian, and what we'll probably see with these other a lot of these other shows is close to the ground. What was happening while Luke and his buddies were going off blowing the blowing up the Death Star? Like what was happening in, in this other side of space? You know, I would. Well, I would. This is such a random, and I don't know if it fits within any of the series that have been announced. But in the sequels, when they when they have the Death Star in like the the wreckage of the Death Star, kind of off that island or whatever, mm-hmm. I would love to see. And this is not like, integral to the story whatsoever, but I would love to see like the reaction of whatever community lived there when this massive thing plummets to the ground and like them like exploring it, kind of like urban explorers, kind of like I I, I think that would be really fascinating. There's all there's already I think somewhere out there a story or like a something, a blurb or something about like what would actually happen if the death star 
blow up blew up in your atmosphere like if it was like above your planet and it talks about how like it completely just in uh devastated the climate and ecosystem of Endor and like all the Ewoks were like mutated and like there's radioactivity and stuff like that. like somebody's already written that dude so I'm not definitely, not, definitely not buying a Wookiee onesie from Target now. <laughs> dude, Star Wars fans are it goes. You got to remember, this is a forty year. Yeah, take, take Harry Potter from the nineties, right? It's like 20, 30 years, right? Star Wars is from is almost fifty, uh, seventy seven. So however long ago that is, I'm hey, not good at math. The um, the last thing I wanted to mention because I think it just merits plaudit is the score throughout Mandalorian. Um, Can we just give it up for our, our Lord and Savior, Savior um, Ludwig Gordonson? I'm glad name. that you pronounced that because I had been making notes all day and had pronounced that umlaut over the O. Um, yeah, Gordonson, or he's, he's Swedish, I believe. Yeah, um, I mean, oh my goodness. Yeah. So phenomenal, right? Yeah, yeah. If there's one thing about all the Star Wars, all of Star Wars that is consistently everyone's like we don't fans fans don't argue about it 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 is this the music um and and ludwig nordson with the mandalorian season one and two is i mean he he he's given us notes especially in that last episode of john williams who's the original composer of all the all the star wars music but he's he's putting his own stuff on it like if you notice when the dark troopers come in he's got some like some kind of like daft punk like He's yeah, got some, like he's got oh, some like, he was, Terminator stuff happening. Yeah, and like uh, when they attack the uh, the Imperial um, weapons transport uh, with the Bo-Katan episode when on, the, on their water planet, when they go to like attack that ship, it's very like Mission Impossible. It's like it's like very like I don't know, a secret agent like squad squad team thing. But then he interweaves it with the main theme, like he made a main theme, you know, we, at the start of it, of this podcast, we were just, you know, going and it, it just, it's great. Uh, that guy's quite, got quite a pedigree as well. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I'm thinking about kind of the last five years of television and original scores that really stand out, you know, Raman Jawadi, what do you do at game of Thrones? Certainly is close to the top of the list. Um, but what has happened so far in Mandalorian is is just mind blowing. Because again, Star Wars is this space western like rock opera, just bizarro mashup of style, and I think it works well in movies because like movies you go to for a cinematic experience, and I understand that television is kind of shifting, especially this long form non network television. Yeah. But still to be able to make this work like mm-hmm. on a, on a television scale is still just such a feat. And so it's, it's truly incredible in my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the music of star Wars has always been something so particular to try and nail. And uh, the uh, Ludwig Gornson is just, I don't, yeah, he, he's incredible. He's, he's nothing short of, of he's got that. I mean, he's been in, a, he's been interviewed in a room with like Hans Zimmer and, you know, John Williams and like uh, all those people, um, Danny Elfman and stuff like that. He's, he's up there and he's like 30 something, maybe 40 something. Like he's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of his um, goals is all I can say. Career goals. <laughs> that guy, I would love to score something for star Wars. 
doesn't matter what it was, what it is. Um, yeah, incredible. And then he's drawing, he's still standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Because John Williams is, has created not only for star Wars, but your entire childhood, some of the most memorable pieces of, of movie, you know, orchestral music. Yeah, he's great. He's yeah, phenomenal. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got uh, in 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 true fashion. I've got Figrin Dan and the Modal Nodes, who are the guys who uh, who played at the Cantina on my shirt. So thanks, thanks, uh, thanks, Jaden Stanley, my buddy, who's uh, he's actually got a, a YouTube and uh, Instagram and Twitter uh, info arcade. He gaming and star wars and stuff so shout out to him he got this he got this for me i think at uh, star wars celebration a couple of years back that is one of my goals star what wars celebration star wars celebration oh. mine too i've never been yeah i thought i thought you were saying one of your goals was to be an alien in a bar band oh yeah, that, that too. too i mean of course um <laughs> yeah figuring dan and the modal nodes which like the cool thing about star wars too is like um Imagine if every imagine if every background character in Harry Potter had a book or some kind of novel or some kind of game. It was in some kind of game or. Thanks whatever. to TikTok. Look, thanks to a TikTok and B J.K. Rowling and her horrible fucking views. Uh, background characters are getting their own stories on TikTok. So there's a, there's a there's a whole niche section on TikTok which is people. Um, satirizing JK Rowling in the sense that I can't even do him full justice, but it'll be like, like they're doing like a line reading with like the director. Like you want me to, to, to do what? Okay. My name is Steven McJewish and I'm a, (laughs) right. And they, and and they'll start reading lines that are just so blatantly anti-Semitic. Right. Yeah. And it'll be like, are are you, are you sure you want me to read the line? And so all the background characters in Harry Potter are getting their own stories, Jordan. I'll have you know. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. (laughs) Man, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so we have our own problems with the the stories and the fandom and stuff. And um, it's been sort of fleshed out over the past five years, you know, with the Disney acquisition and the sequels and stuff like that. Um, But to be fair, that's also been happening since 1991 and the Phantom Menace dropped. And even before that with the special editions, when they came out, you know, purists were like, why would you do that? Why would you change the, why would you change something so perfect? Even if you did create it, (laughs) you know, Danny, speaking of TikTok, I think that brings us to my favorite new portion of the podcast, which is Danny reviews a TikTok. I was really so, hoping he was going to forget about this. <laughs> how could I forget? So for the listeners out there who might not be aware, and for Jordan, who's definitely not aware, because our episode where we did this has not yet aired, correct? No. Um, what we do is I send Danny a TikTok. Usually it's a Harry Potter-related one, but today I found a different one. And live on air, Danny reacts. So, uh, and the, the genesis, Jordan, because you deserve to know is Danny told me a couple weeks ago, I think I'm going to get a TikTok. And I said, oh, it's so cute watching old people try to do social media. And here we are. So I'm going to send Danny this TikTok. And for the listeners 
who want to listen in real time to Danny's live reactions. And I will remind Danny that this is an audio format. So she has to give some sort of verbal reaction, not just her face. Uh, this is a TikTok from underscore Trey TV underscore posted on November 17th. The caption is the kid doesn't listen with a little non-smoking sign next to it. So with that, I will shut up and allow Danny to enjoy the TikTok. I love Baby Yoda. No. I'll stay right there. Kid. Come on, kid. Oh, not again. So I'm going to say I've actually seen this one. She's already in. She's in. She's already induct, inducted. She's a TikTok guru. I'm, well, you my friend sends me a lot of TikToks, which is why I got one because I was sick of like trying to like figure out what she was sending me. But it's Baby Yoda. How can you not like Baby Yoda? Which leads me to a question. Does Kylo Ren kill Baby Yoda? Oh, man. Um... Also, also, is Baby Yoda Ray's father in some way, shape, or form? (laughs) No, seriously. No, seriously, because the blood is harvested. I actually watched a whole video about this the other day. Oh, wow, Uh, yeah. yeah, Because Grogu's blood is harvested, which people then lead to believe is uh, towards the creation of Snoke. Yeah. And, And... um, I, I, I the video. It's nine twenty, and I, my mind's kind of falling apart here. But mm-hmm. the video that I watched was talking about how, um, because they learned like with Snoke, kind of that you could create people. Uh, these what are they called? Clones. I thought there was a word more fancy than that, but sure, clone. Uh, no, there was a fancier word for what these things are. Caps. Um, do you mean the things in your in your blood? No, midichlorian. I know that. Please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. Okay, I didn't. Okay, I didn't know what you were reading for. Reaching no, for. Um, it's what Snoke is. Yeah, it's, it's um, not just a clone. There's a there's a specific word for it. Anywho, doesn't oh, matter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, doesn't Geo, matter. Doesn't Geo Strand Strandcast Strandcast Strandcast. Strandcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Strandcast. So, yeah. man, that was way back in there. That was way yeah. back in my there you brain. Go. You really had me work for work. Uh, for the theory, the theory is because they learned that you with Snoke, even though he was kind of bizarro looking, you could create a strand cast not at birth but at any point in life. Mm-hmm. The theory the, it times out that Ray's father was a strand cast created to be Palpatine's uh, son. Next. Okay. The, the, or the next generation, but he didn't have like he got, it was cast away by Palpatine because he didn't have the requisite qualities. Anywho, exo facto, Ray's born. So Grogu is the grandfather, not the father. I apologize. Um, okay, okay, okay. I could see that. Um, there is um, the stuff that happens with Ray being a Palpatine and Snoke, and how the Mandalorians sort of trying to tie that in is still the canon still being written. We don't really know 
Um, to answer Danny's question, because I did not want to leave her uh, a cliffhanger, um, there is a comic book series that will probably is probably already more popular now, given the events of the end of the end of Mando um, season two, called "The Rise of Kylo Ren," and it goes through the events of him leaving the temple and the temple being set on fire and uh the knights of ren actually play a play a part in that um so in the comic book which i guess spoilers if you haven't read the comic book um uh came out like a couple years ago um uh, so apparently snoke snoke had been manipulating ben solo kylo ren for years um years and years and years we don't know exactly how uh, we there's probably in another comic book somewhere but Basically, the story goes, he led him away from the temple, and then the Knights of Ren actually were the ones that burned the temple. But an, a, a lot of other students of Luke's went after Ben, and he did end up killing one of them. So he killed at least one student, but he did not. It's not like he massacred the, everybody and set fire to the temple. Snoke <laughs> actually sent the Knights of Ren to do that. But that's why he could never Think. be as good as his idol, Darth Vader, because Anakin just yeah. slaughtered every yeah. child there. Yeah, whereas, if you notice, yeah. if you notice, what's great, what's what's interesting about Kylo Ren as a villain is that he's not very good at being a villain. He's so torn because, um, and there's actually a bit of dialogue. I I read up on this comic book because I I I thought about that same thing, Danny. When when the end of Mando, I was like. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> my friend texted me and she was so distraught. She's like, yeah, Oh my yeah, God, yeah. this just happened. Yeah. So the, apparently there's a rise of Kylo in comic book. Um, uh, I don't know how many, how many issues it is, it is, but it answers in the first issue of Snoke, you know, manipulating Ben to lead him away from the temple. And then they think, they think Luke's dead, which is sort of like why they go after Kylo, how, why students go after Kylo Ren or Ben. I also, I also read an entire thing, and again, I don't remember right now, about how Kylo Ren got Vader's mask or his helmet. Okay. Um, I don't know if I've read that. Because you see them... I, I assume he got it from the pyre at in, on, on Endor. Right, the but there's a whole thing. There were, Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> this is I read this. You know something about Star Wars that I don't. I read this whole kind of blog thing that went deep into it essentially there's a it's not a comic i don't think i want to say it was a short story that was posted okay. yeah. that that basically says there was like a former a former imperial imperial pilot who was at the burning of the body yeah there's and, a big party happening yeah there's a party happening and there's something to do with they it's vaguely mentioned in the short story that they were asked to retrieve something from there and it's left very vague as to what oh, and you know that was probably it was probably the aftermath novels or some one of the new novels that have come out in the last couple of years okay yeah so that uh, makes sense you know for the listeners if you really want to hear kind of like a heel turn go listen in back-to-back -back order to the episode that we did with russell and hear me talk about Star Wars, and then listen to this one. And <laughs> boy, oh boy, times have changed. <laughs> yeah, very different. All right, up. I have some a few quick rapid fire questions from some of our lovely listeners. Awesome. From probably most likely our youngest listener, listener Potter Kid. He wants to know: 
Can he watch The Mandalorian without having seen any of Star Wars? Yes. I I think you can. Um, what's great about that show is that they they go as deep and as broad as they can. They go as broad as they can in that it's a very simple story. It's simple but effective and, and compelling storytelling uh, because it does use the Western sort of model of, of the lone gunslinger and that's always been appealing to anybody um, because that that story is also in the wandering night, you know, night of the round table and then going back and back and back in history, the wandering, whatever, wandering Lone Ranger. Um, but yeah, yeah, you can definitely watch it without having to have seen all of Star Wars. I, I think you can, you can watch like the first, you can watch the original trilogy and nothing around it. And I think we can watch the Mandalorian still and it'll, it would still be like, oh, okay, cool. However, it's so like there's so many things in the Mandalorian that they either directly reference or they put in the background that is like, it just makes it so much better. With all the throwback characters that we have seen, is there someone either of you are hoping to see in future Star Wars universe type things? There's a ton of characters we know we're going to see. Um, but the all the investor day, Disney Investor Day announcements. Um, ooh, that I'm hoping that I see in the next, or would like to see, not necessarily hoping that. Oh, that yeah. also comes from our friend Mari M Pinedo Nine. Yeah, that we're hoping to see. Up. Um, we think about that one. Well, you think I will say two that I don't need to see at all. I don't need to see Boba Fett. <laughs> like Boba Fett fell into that Sarlacc pit where he was oh, 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 digest one thousand years. Like I, 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 he's dead. I don't. We, I don't impression. care about how he came back out of the Sarlacc pit. I don't care. Like he's a cool character. I'm not saying he's not. I think the book of Boba Fett's going to be a really cool series. Mm-hmm. Not saying that, that that can all be true, but I can also say I really didn't need that. And then the second one is there was a lot of rumoring going around that the Jedi that we were going to see at the end of season two was going to be Mace Windu somehow. Um, <laughs> I read that in a lot of different places. Yeah. Uh, and then today uh, is Samuel L. Jackson's birthday and start the official Star Wars Twitter account said something like, yeah, uh, celebrate just the beginning or something like that. Like they, they a cryptic <laughs> birthday message. It wasn't just happy birthday. Um, so right, like, hold on. I don't characters who, even though we didn't see them die. Yes. Like their, their arcs were ended in my mind. I don't need to see come back. Yeah. So the thing, uh, yeah, he, there's a, there's actually a real possibility of him coming back. I think at some point, but it's just because star Wars doesn't like to let their characters die. No, but no, 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 no. Look, the last we saw him, he mm-hmm. was his his hands were cut off, mm-hmm. and he was violently electrocuted from a Sith Lord's hands, like at least like more than more than a couple miles. Like it wasn't like he kind of just fell and like oh well he's kind of there he might be alive. He fell from one of those up in the sky rooftops, many okay. many 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 miles. There's no way he did not come to a violent conclusion. What if I told you? No, don't, don't. Okay. 
what if I told you that there's literally an entire uh, season arc in Clone Wars and Rebels, two different season arcs, starring none other than Darth Maul, the guy who got cut in half with the double-bladed lightsaber? He got cut in half, fell down a hole, right? Cut in half. Like, doesn't have legs anymore. Fell down a hole. He is in Clone Wars, back, with spider legs. Robot yeah. spider legs. Well, Initially, and then they make him cooler. Then they realize that spider legs are dumb, and then they just give him regular robot legs, and then he does a bunch of cool stuff. So I guess a couple things. I suppose there's an argument to be made that, yeah, also Anakin cool. was, like, basically dead. Like, he was, like, molten lava. And I mean, yeah. He and, burned too crisp. Right, and, and uh, Palpatine brought him back. So I I suppose you can make that argument. It's but not unprecedented. Real, yeah, the real argument I would make, this is kind of just a Stephen personal thing about mm-hmm. Darth Maul, is you can go, because animated is less real to me. I'm sure that's a controversial opinion, especially to make it in Star Wars. But for me, it's like to go from, you know, okay, put him in the animated series, whatever. It's cute. It's animated stuff. Um, I'm fine. But, but look, Samuel L. Jackson to this day, even though I couldn't name you a single thing he's been in the past like 10 years other than Capital One commercials, is still a massive and, uh, star. And Nick Fury. Okay, I don't really watch he those things. He doesn't do those either. Sure. Oh, okay, right on. Yeah. He, he's, he's a massive star with global appeal. Yeah. They're expanding this franchise as quickly as they can with both hands. Yeah. It makes all the sense in the world for him to come back. I just... From like a, I don't want it to happen either. Yeah, I don't understand. By the why. way, I don't understand why. That's I it. almost, I, I, if if I had, if Darth Maul wasn't such a, didn't end up being such a cool fleshed out character in Clone Wars and Rebels, I wouldn't have. I didn't like the initial decision to bring him back either. I, I'm not, not usually a fan of bringing, bringing characters back just to bring them back. J.J. Abrams, <laughs> um, you know, but whatever. Um, Star Wars is this messy just obsession that everyone is fine with the messiness because there's always going to be sort of somebody else's story that affects the other story and all that stuff. My choice is Um, much simpler and he doesn't need his own show. (laughs) I just want to see him in a background somewhere. I really just want to see Dio again. Oh, a little droid? Yeah. A little socially awkward droid. Oh, that's so cool that he's like your your main one because not, he him. didn't he didn't get a lot of love because there were too many um, no, between I the porgs and I, I just want to see him somewhere. Yeah, yeah, Dio would be good. Um, you know, I think that I want to see more. I think I want to see more, and I hope we will see more of Poe Dameron from the sequel trilogy, uh, Oscar Isaac's character. Didn't he make a? appearance in the concept art for one of the Mandalorian episodes that just recently aired. I feel like he did. I feel like I heard that somewhere. It was in the, the, the one at with Bill, with Bill Burr, not to be confused with Bill Barr, our nation's terrible attorney general. Um, <laughs> oh, not for long. It, well, not for long. Whew, thank God. Uh, anywho. Um, yeah. I saw something where in the, the post episode concept art for the episode with the pirates. Um, I believe it was Poe Dameron. I don't think I'm making. Or is there? There's another character with a similar name from the sequels. Maybe Camius. Oh, okay. I see what you're talking about. Okay, there's I'll some, pick up on that. I, it's yeah. probably somebody that kind of looks like him. I, I can't imagine why they would put him in there. Nor do I. Maybe. But they're sneaking in all these backdoor pilots left and right with Mando. <laughs> so well, the time the, it wouldn't be Poe Dameron at all because the timeline. Yeah, the timeline. He's not born yet. 
Well, um, no, he's born. Poe Dameron, but he'd be like five years old. Father who tells him the tale. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Star Wars have, things. We don't know. Um, I want to see more. Cast. It could be a strand cast. Oh, that was another thing I wanted to mention. There is precedence in Star Wars in cloning where, and this is interesting if they decide to revisit this because it's in some of the like expanded universe before the Disney acquisition, some of the comic books and stuff uh, and, and novels. There's precedence for it being hard to clone a force user. Like the clone's not not working out very well, either being not force sensitive or being uh, uh, deformed or 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 um, mentally unstable of some uh, somehow. There's precedence for that. So I'm just. It could explain Snoke looking wacky. It could explain maybe some other stuff that they're gonna do with with Grogu and the blood and the stuff like that. I don't know. Well, but there's precedence for that. But that's not technically cloning. That that's different. They're trying to recreate with this with this strand cast stuff, mm-hmm. like a like a midlife like a immaculate conception type thing. More like like cloning is what they did with what's his face, the Mandalorian with yeah, that yeah, yeah. Django Fett, sure. where every single one looks like him. But they're still using they're still using Grogu's blood for stuff like. Do you do you do you kind of get that what they're doing with his blood? They're kind yeah, of tied into to Snoke I, and the sequel trilogy. I get that, but like in in my mind, that's different than cloning. Like yeah, like to well, me, it could, like it, it's it, different it, forms of science. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they talk about in Rise of Skywalker, like the Sith and the dark arts. Basically, they got some voodoo magic going on. Like the Sith, the Sith using the dark side of the Force. There's literally a planet with a bunch of witches that use the dark side of the force, by the way. Like it's, it's not, it, that, that's a thing too. There are like witches, like the witches of Dathomir, uh, which is the same planet Darth Maul's from. Um, there's Final a really question uh, from, um, yeah, Poe Dameron is who I'd want to see, um, which we might see in the Rogue Squadron movie. I'm hoping it's like, he's like the lead guy and then we're just doing some cool Top Gun shit in Star Wars. <laughs> Final question from Melanie at Twimpy underscore. Why does Mando always leave his ship's door open? <laughs> uh, I think he's too trusting. If you notice, he like, he was just Mandalorian is actually just a story of some guy going across the galaxy, making best friends. Maybe he's too trusting. He just leaves his, leaves the ship door open. Maybe they didn't have them in the budget to, to um, close the door. Yeah. It's a TV show. They're, you know, it's smaller. But, uh, but yeah, why does he always leave his, yeah, he's not, he's not a great, I mean, you can kind of, what's funny is he's kind of like, he is a badass, like he does cool stuff, but then Boba Fett shows up and you realize, oh, like he's, he's kind of newer, newer at this a little bit. But anyway, and his ship gets blown up. Yeah, he has a bad track record. No, I'm I'm hoping so. If you notice in the scene um, in the finale when he goes to pick up um, Bo-Katan, goes to meet him in, in the bar. Bo-Katan's ship is one of those ships that you're talking about, the one that looked like a horseshoe. So those wings actually um, point go point forward, and then the fighter itself, the wings rotate around the cockpit. They're freaking awesome looking, uh, but they're Mandalorian starfighters. They're really cool, and I'm hoping we got to see them in the Clone Wars and Rebels. I'm hoping we get to see some of those in action next season because I think next season might be taking us to Mandalore, the planet. Well, it feels like it has to, right? Because yeah, 
either like like I mean, this can go certainly more than just one of two ways, but Boba Fett and Fennec are at, on Tatooine, mm-hmm. right? So their ship is there. Yep, Slave Mando Wolf. is not with them, as no, far it's... as we saw on that ten second teaser. Yeah, Bo-Katan and Sidekick are going to retake Mandalore. Mando Jin Jarin or whatever is without a ship because his mm-hmm. got blown up. His got got. So he has they to go somewhere. Taken, they all must have taken that shuttle out of there. Either either Boba Fett came back and picked up his girlfriend. Um, I'm going to say that they're together because they always ride together. And then the way that they sat on the throne, I was like, oh, power couple. It's like a game. It's like a. It's like Iron mm-hmm. Throne. It's like the Iron mm-hmm. Throne of Star. That's super cool. I was and Fennec Shand like um, Ming Na Wen has like a huge following. So her. Her character is like, she's really excited to keep playing her character. So, yeah. um, and like you know, Bo-Katan's not letting that sword out of her sight. No, no. Now that now that Din has it, she's gonna. They're gonna be together. Like, yeah. So whether we actually get any of the true struggle to retake Mandalore or not, or whether it's just solely Bo-Katan trying to get the, the dark saber, mm-hmm. it, it feels like he Din Jar is tethered to Bo-Katan until that lightsaber, until the dark saber gets resolved one way or the other. Right. Right. So what, what may happen and people have uh, mentioned this before is that maybe, um, she tries to maneuver and set Din up as a, as a sort of figurehead, but she's actually the one, like somebody mentioned that she was like the Dick Cheney to <laughs> Mandalore running a shadow government. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so so Bo-Katan, I guess, in the Clone Wars has always been like uh, pretty headstrong. She used to be in Death Watch, the like the predecessor to the cult that man that um, Din is in. So she she used to be like this extremist Mandalorian like warrior. Um, the whole backstory there is her sister Satine, Duchess Satine, was was essentially the the ruler of Mandalore, like the ruler. But the problem that they had the, where they had their differences, Satine and Bo-Katan is Satine was this pacifist. She was wanting Mandalore to be more pacifist because traditionally they had been this warrior race and of conquerors. So she's actually, she's, she's not a pacifist. She's the kind of the opposite. She, and she used to be in like a, like again, a, a, the death watch, like cult of Mandalorians were very extreme. She wasn't, she's not anymore. She's kind of changed her ways, especially since Satine, spoiler alert, Satine dies. She gets killed by Darth Maul, I think. Um, so, anyway. siblings you say who yes. have ruling power one of whom is a pacifist and one of whom is a lot more headstrong yes who does that sound like uh, to any other uh, fandoms out there does it sound like the Martells it might who plays Oberyn Martell the Viper <laughs> the Prince of Dorne yeah Pedro Pascal yeah full circle over. you got it confirmed confirmed <laughs> Confirmed. Pedro's going to be the uh, 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 Din Djarin's going to be the pacifist that's trying to unite Mandalore for the good, and Bogotan just wants to wreck stuff. And look, if we get any of the amount of Pedro Pascal coital action in Mandal- Mandalorian season three, as we did oh in gosh. Game of Thrones, then the listeners and the watchers are in for uh, a lot of a lot of fun. Man, I just hope it doesn't involve any of the frog people. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> There's the thing. There's a difference between Game of Thrones and Star Wars. Is that Game of Thrones is cool if you have all the all the fun 
sexy time but um star wars is different because there's like a bunch of like a- there's like aliens with squids for heads so like i don't think that i don't know in game, of thrones, in game of thrones there could be some bestiality because like it's like ancient medieval times and that was like yeah sort yeah, of a thing. yeah in star like, wars there could be bestiality because like they're just straight up different species yeah that we that's why i mean they, <clears throat> star wars doesn't really touch on the birds and the bees that much um Besides when it relates to um, really strong family bloodlines. Yeah, where they're all kissing each other. They're, they're lannistering <laughs> it up. That's true. There is actually, Maybe there is more in common with stars in Game of Thrones than I originally thought. I'm you saying. opened my eyes, Stephen. I'm saying. Um, you opened my eyes, yeah. Um, <laughs> incredible. Incredible, tele- uh, incredible radio, ladies and gentlemen. All right, um, Jordan. Can you just plug for us whatever you got going on in 2021? Because let me say before you do... To any listener out there who does need any form of music, uh, audio, whatever, I don't even have the right words. It's the long and the short of it is Jordan is just an ultimate delight to work with. He doesn't just deliver. He delivers far beyond what you could hope for. I've told the story before on the podcast, but when we were designing the theme music for the pin pod, I gave Jordan a fairly decent brief, kind of what I was looking for, kind of thematic, kind of some sort of creative inspiration and let him go do his thing. And he texts me back a week later and says, hey, I have an idea and I don't want to go any further unless you're completely on board with it. And he sends me this it was, little... It was going to be a lot of work. I It was going to be pretty involved. It was a whole kit and caboodle, the whole band. Yeah, and he sends me this little audio file of just him with a guitar um singing the now famous pin pod theme song so anyway that's all to say that you know i don't vouch for people or products i don't believe in as you know i love my dr pepper i love my bose headphones um i love jordan's skills talent and collaborative cooperative cooperative work so uh, whatever he's about to tell you in terms of what he's got going on in 2021 and how he could possibly help you out um, I co-sign 10 out of 10. <laughs> thank you so much, man. Uh, thanks. And it's, it's been really um, great and a, a nice change of pace from working on what I usually work on um, to do podcast stuff. And I want to do more of it. So hit me up on Instagram. I check that pretty often. Um, Specs and things, S-P-E-C-S-A-N-D-T-H-I-N-G-S. And then I'm on Twitter, pretty active on there. Specs13, which is my Halo gamer tag. That's how long I've had that username. Um, Halo 2 Gamertag, um, uh, S-P-E-C-S underscore one three uh, on Twitter.com. And I'm on Facebook too. Um, just look up my name, Jordan Jackson. Um, yeah, just hit me up. I don't have anything like official as in, like an artist page or anything um, for my podcasting and YouTube stuff, but I'm wanting to get a lot of that set up in 2021. Um, we also, my buddy Andrew Heiss and I have a, have a music project. He's been my ride or die since day one with music. I've known him for a decade um, and we have a project together called Robbers, R-A-A-B-E-R-S. And we're just R-A-A-B-E-R-S um, uh, on Instagram. Um, Robbers underscore music, R-A-A-B-E-R-S underscore music on Twitter. Um, I think we have a Facebook too, but I don't really post much on there. Um, we did like one collab with a DJ back in 2017. And then we've just been learning how to produce and, and recording a five song EP that we're want, looking to release next year along with all the things that come with it, motion graphics and maybe a music video, 
what all that stuff. But uh, as you guys know, it takes, it goes, it, it's a labor of love sometimes to produce something that you're really proud of, but may not necessarily uh, be a, 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 an immediate return on investment. So, well, I'll tell you what, one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to is fake doctors, real friends, which is an iHeart podcast all about scrubs, which is one of the best television shows to yeah, ever get the 21st scrubs, century. Yeah. And, and it's, it's co-hosted by Zach Braff and Don Faison, who are the two lead actors, male actors in the show. Anywho, one of my favorite things about the podcast is they end, if not every episode, most episodes with music. And it's either one of Donald's brothers as a musician or Josh Radin's one of their best friends, or, you know, they'll, they'll play a song to end the episode. So where I'm going with this is y'all better believe that if, and when this five song EP drops, Creating Magic, the Pin Pod, and whatever the hell else we've got going on, <laughs> we'll be playing it in each and every episode during that time. We're we're super excited for you, Jordan. Um, I'm pumped, man. It's been a it's been a you can ask Andrew too. It's been a labor of love learning to produce yourself and produce something that like I'm 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 only a perfectionist in in music. Really, the rest of my life is chaos, and um, <laughs> it's not chaos. It's just not as put together. Um, but when it comes to music, when I want to put my hand to something and release it um i will tweak it until it's way past time to release it so i need to i need to just buck up and let and send it off and mixing mixing and mastering we've got um the last i think the last artist that we're going to collab with is a vocal feature for one of the songs that's the last piece of the puzzle for the five song ep and i'm hoping to release it maybe summertime uh, but there'll be a couple singles uh, next year as well before the then. great is the enemy of the good my young apprentice Oh my gosh. <laughs> and try not do or do not. There is no try in Yoda's uh, wise words, which, uh, yeah, there's so much, there's a lot of philosophy in Star Wars we did not even get into. There's a whole spiritual aspect to Star Wars that I really, really um, identify with, even with the new, even more so with the new movies in some respects. Like where I currently am in my, like, as, as a spiritual, you know, kind of, philosophically thinking person some of the stuff that luke brought up in the last jedi you know criticism of the character of luke skywalker aside he he made some points about um the jedi maybe not being the best thing for the galaxy and the, the force doesn't necessarily belong to one group of people which i think is a is a great message when talking about yeah when talking about just who who controls spirituality who controls you know self-enlightenment or, or what what have you and then i also want to plug uh, a podcast that i'm actually helping produce um my sister and her friend uh, mary ellen rachel have a podcast called a word to the rise um a word to the rise with an r um and you can find that on at a word to the rise on instagram and they um release on podbean Apple Music, when, whatever, wherever you can find your podcast. And it's about health and wellness and mental health. And there's some Enneagram stuff thrown in there, some astrology stuff thrown in there. So really, really cool. And I'm helping produce that. And there's uh, music from me uh, in that podcast as well. So be looking for that. But man, thank you so much for having me on. May the force be with you. And also with you. <laughs> <laughs> Wow.